Well, uh, I want to begin where I began last weekend here at Big Valley Grace. So take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1, okay? John chapter 1. Now, if you don't have a, a Bible with you today, all of the verses will be in your program, I think, or they'll come up on the jumbotrons. They'll even come up on your computer screen at home if you're watching on, online. Um, it's important that you see the Word of God for yourself, or you can go back and look at some of the verses that we're going to look at. Now, if you don't own a Bible, um, you can go into the altar room after this gathering or the altar room over in the venue, and we'd love to put a Bible in your hand, a free Bible, it's yours. If you're watching online, the, the church office is closed this Monday, but you could come on Tuesday and we'd love to give you a Bible. One of the things that this church does is we buy lots of Bibles. The companies that make the Bibles don't give them to us for free. They don't say, well, you're a church and here's all these Bibles are yours for free. We have to buy them. And we buy cases and cases and cases and cases of Bibles. You can imagine, we're, we're giving out lots of Bibles. We, we buy Bibles for other churches in our county. Churches that are smaller than us, they don't have the resources we have, and they would love to hand out Bibles in their churches, but they just don't have the, the shekels that we do. And so we'll buy Bibles for them and give them Bibles that they may hand out to their, their folks or visitors who might come to their, their churches. The, 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 the church is about the Word of God. And so you would think that the church would be about, you know, handing out Bibles. So if you don't have one, it's really an honor and it's a privilege to give you one, all you have to do is go into the altar room and see one of our, our pastors or elders, spiritual leaders are in there and say you need a Bible. Verse 43 of John chapter one says this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, Jesus said to him, follow me. Here we have recorded for us this great moment when Jesus sees this young man named Philip and he chooses him to be one of his followers. Philip, I want you to follow me. Two words that forever changed his life. If you were here last week, I told you that Philip, about 20 years after he heard those two words, follow me, he was beheaded. He was the second apostle to be martyred for the faith. The first was James, the son of Zebedee. He was martyred 10 years after Jesus dies on a cross. Philip was then martyred about 10 years after that. Now, I want to make sure you, you understand this, what's happening here in, in John chapter 1, verse, verse 43. Jesus said this in John chapter 15. So a few chapters later, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And not only am I choosing you, but I, I, I got an idea of what I want you to do with your life. I got a plan for your life. I got a will for your life. I'm appointing you as one of my followers to go and bear fruit. And not just any kind of fruit, but fruit that would remain. 
Beloved, Jesus is the one that does all the choosing. He chose Philip. He chose Peter. He chose John. He chose Matthew. He chose Paul. He chose me. And if you're here today and you know Christ as your Savior, he chose you. Now, it kind of seems like we chose him. It, it, it kind of feels like there was this moment when, when we, we chose him, but the reality is, no, 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 no. He chose us. He was the one who began to draw us to himself. He's the one who began to open our eyes to the truth. It was all a work of God. God does all the choosing. All we do is we do all the sinning. That's all we do. He does all the choosing and redeeming. And someday, for, for, for some of you anyway, today might be the day that he chooses you. Might be today. You may have walked in here with a friend, maybe you were invited, maybe you're watching online, maybe you just drove by the church. It's amazing how people end up in this building on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. You came in here just blinded to truth. We've all been there. And today is a day when Jesus will draw you to himself. He'll open your eyes and he'll say to you, follow me. Follow me. And when you hear those two words, man, it'll change your life. You can't say, yes, Jesus, I'll, I'll follow you. I'll, I'll surrender my life over to you and not somehow be changed. Now, you don't know what all that change is going to look like. You, you don't necessarily know exactly what the future is going to hold for you. Philip didn't know he was going to be beheaded. Jesus didn't say, follow me, and by the way, let me, let me let you in on some information. In 20 years, you're going to have your head cut off because you're following me. Jesus doesn't give us that kind of data. He didn't say to James, hey, James, follow me, and in 10 years, you're going to end up dead too. He doesn't tell us that. Well, pastor, are you telling me that if I follow Christ, I may end up dead? You might. I don't know. If you would have asked me, I don't know, three years ago, I'd have said, in America, are you kidding me? <laughs> Times are changing. I'm watching this country just make a ginormous shift. Probably not in my lifetime. I think my, my, my youngest son's going to face persecution here in this great country like we just don't, we just don't know. I've never experienced. Bottom line is, you, you say yes to Christ, it's going to change your life. has to change your life. God says this to all of his followers. For you were once full of darkness. But now, now that you're a follower of Christ, 
You have the light from the Lord, so live as people of light. You, you can't surrender your life over to Jesus. It's impossible to say, yes, I'm humbling myself before you, God, and I want to follow you and your life not be changed because you go from being in darkness to being in light and Jesus says, I want you to live as people of, of the light. Paul goes on to say this. He says, so be careful how you live, Christian. Hey, follower of, of Christ, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. It's possible as a believer to live like a fool. But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity, God says to us in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, get your nose into the word of God, study it, memorize it, meditate it, meditate on it, and then live it out. Understand what God wants you to do with your life. God gives his followers a warning. He says, be, be careful how you live. Make the most of each day because as a follower of Jesus down here on planet Earth, there's evil all around. In the Greek, it literally means don't stumble or drift through life. And unfortunately, I know too many believers who just kind of stumble and bumble and drift through life. 2016 was anything but epic in, you know, as it relates to their walk with God. They had no clue as to what God's will was for their lives. They weren't careful how they lived. They lived foolishly. They, they acted thoughtlessly. God says to his followers, man, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to live like that anymore. I got a plan, I got a thought for your life. Here's the deal, God, God wants you and I as his followers to think life through. God created you for a reason and he doesn't want you to drift or stumble through 2017. He wants you to have a life that matters. He wants you to be excited when your alarm clock goes off in the morning because you know that your life is gonna make some sort of difference for the kingdom. Too many believers, you know, their alarm clock goes off and it's like, oh no, another day. How crummy is that? that that's somebody who doesn't understand the will of the Lord for, 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 for their life. It doesn't matter what you do. If you know Christ, the alarm goes off, you get up and you say, I don't, man, God, you kept my heart beating for another day and I'm excited to go to my job. I'm excited to go to whatever it is that I'm doing in my life because I know it's right there that you have something for me. There's somebody you want me to reach for the kingdom's sake. There's somebody you want me to encourage. There's somebody you want me to pray for. You have me strategically planted somewhere out in our community. You want me to be salt and light wherever I am. The 
The only way you'll ever live a life that honors God or live an epic life in 2017 is you got to be very careful how you live, Christian. Very careful. Now, last week I shared with you that when God calls you to follow him, he gives a, a number of things that, that help you be all that God wants you to be while you're down here on planet Earth. And the first thing I talked about last week was that God gave you his presence and this is where it starts. God gave you his Holy Spirit. At the very moment that you said yes to Christ, at the very moment you humbled yourself before God and invited him into your life, he gave you his Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 16, but I tell you the truth, this is Jesus talking. It is good for you um, that I'm going away. It's good that I'm gonna go and be at the right hand of the Father. Unless I go away, the counselor, the Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. The, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is absolutely critical. And Jesus knew this. The Father knew this. And so when you said yes to Christ, when you said, I will follow you at that very moment, he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell you. He lives in you. He doesn't live in you for a while, and then, you know, when you go to bed at night, he, you know, comes out of you and goes and does something else somewhere else in the world, and by the time you wake up in the morning, poop, he's back. No. He's with you always, Christian. Always. Ephesians chapter one records a prayer that the great apostle Paul prayed for the people of Ephesus and it's true for us too. He says, I also pray <clears throat> that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for those of us who believe, those of us that have said yes to Christ. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And the reason Paul was praying this was because he knew that people didn't understand the great power they had within them. When you have the third person of the Holy Trinity living inside of you, that's power. Inside of you. And I don't think we really understand the ramifications of that great theological truth. That wherever you go, I don't care where you go, you've got the power of God within you. Within you. God doesn't just say, hey, here you go. You know, you've received me into your life and good luck. Hope you make it. No. He loves us too much. He understands these, these human bodies that are just full of sin. Paul said, no good dwells in this thing. And so God takes this crummy earth suit of ours and he puts the third person of the Holy Trinity within it so that we would have the power needed to make 2017 an epic year. Christian, without the Holy Spirit and his power at work within us, we could never live a sanctified life, just never. We could never live a life worthy 
of our calling. We just couldn't do it. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us something very interesting. And I'm going to go down a little rabbit trail just for a moment. The Bible says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. That's interesting. God's given us an interesting bit of data here. You have the Holy Spirit in you. The greatest power source known to mankind lives in you. But you can bum out the Holy Spirit by how you live. You can squelch the very power of God within you by the choices that you make. Now, you don't lose your salvation. You're going to heaven. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life and all of that wonderful stuff. But you can make a choice in how you live that would just bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit within you. You, You've become a follower of his. He's redeemed your life from the pit. And yet you're choosing to live how? You're doing what with your life? You're you're just bumbling and stumbling through life. You're not being careful how you live. You're just living thoughtlessly. So you may not lose your salvation, but you can certainly squelch and bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit that indwells you by how you choose to live. Dr. MacArthur said this, he said, quote, The Christian has no greater calling or purpose than that of imitating his Lord. As God's dear dear children, believers are to become more and more and more like their heavenly Father. God's purpose in salvation is to redeem men from sin and to conform them to the image of his Son. When, when, When he chose you and said, hey, follow me, it wasn't, you know, well, We're done. No. He gives us his spirit and the power behind it that we might become more and more transformed in the image of his son. We might live an epic 2017 uh, for him. I know that all of us have a long, long way to go as it relates to being like Jesus, okay? But the Holy Spirit's power within us is, is the thing that helps us make the progress that we need along that, that trail. N- number two, or the second thing that God gave us that we might live an epic life for him, I talked about it last week, was that God gave you his word. He gave you the Bible. He gave you the scriptures. Second Timothy says, all scripture, all of it, every bit of it, is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. God was the one who spoke through all of the Old Testament prophets, whether they were major prophets or minor prophets. He was the one who brought back to the memory of those that lived with, with Jesus during his time of ministry to record all of the great stories and miracles and teachings of Jesus. He filled all the writers of the New Testament in such a way that they would write in their own personalities, the very words that God wanted them to write. 
And because of that, it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. It teaches us how to live an epic life in 2017. That this is where we get the wisdom that we need to live a a life worthy of our, our calling. God uses it, God uses the word of God to prepare and equip his people, those that he chose, to do every good work. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter four, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word. Once again, all scripture, every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this is all from the mouth of God. And here's the the weird part. You have to begin with the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, this doesn't make any sense. You have to have the Holy Spirit in you that when you read the word or you hear the word taught or whatever it might be, that somehow the Holy Spirit is the great teacher. The Holy Spirit takes these words and begins to do something amazing with them. Reading the word, studying the word, meditating on the word, memorizing the word, and most importantly, applying the word. If all you do is read it, and memorize it, and meditate on it, but you don't live it out, doesn't mean a thing. It's when you apply it. That's, that's the, the, the switch that just kicks in everything, is when you apply it. Or like our brother James says, it's when you become not just a hearer of the word, but you become a doer of the word. It's when you become a doer of the word that you start uh, not stumbling and bumbling through life. You can be a believer who reads the word, studies the word, meditates on the word, but you don't apply it, you don't live it out, and you just bumble and stumble through life. It's when you live it out that's when all of a sudden the action really, really begins in, a, in an incredible way. And number three, and this is where I left off last week, God gave you a spiritual family. Yes, he gave you the Holy Spirit, and yes, he gave you the word of God, and those are two unbelievably important things. I, I couldn't talk enough on both of those subjects, but he also gave us the church. His bride. Um, uh, One of the ways you can look at the church is it's like an incubator. When all three of my children were born, you know, there they were, and you know, you got to hold them for a second, and then a nurse came by and stuck it in this incubator. It was a warm place. It was a place that where most babies go and the point of the incubator is it's, it's safe, it's secure, it's a place where this brand new baby who's just come into the world can grow healthy. And all of us in this room who heard those two words, follow me, we gave our life to Christ, guess what, we were put into an incubator, weren't we? A church. And we were just this new baby Didn't know anything. Didn't even have a Bible, maybe. And here we were in this safe, warm, 
environment where there were nurses, if you will, pastors, shepherds, teachers, and you began to hear the word of God and they began to teach you the word of God and you began to grow and become healthy and you know you, you didn't necessarily need the incubator anymore. See, here's the deal. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but your fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Beloved, when you were born physically, you became a part of uh, a human family. You became a part of the human race. And when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were born spiritually. You joined a spiritual family God's family and your church family is absolutely critical to the success of your journey of faith. The church isn't an institution and it's not a religious club and it's not a society or an organization or a business. The, the church is a family. You and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is how God expects us to interface with one another. And here's the deal, I, I was thinking about this. We have a long, long history of fellow sojourners, fellow followers of the Lord, people who, like you, heard those two words, follow me, and they walked the journey of faith just like we are now. Had some fun this past week thinking about it thinking about all those that came before me who were on the, the same journey that I'm on. They're on the same, they were on the same journey that you were on. Adam and Eve, the, the first two people that began the journey. You know, they're not just characters in a book. They're real people. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll see them someday. Thought about Abraham, the father of the Hebrew nation, Caleb, Joshua's spiritual partner, Daniel, the prime minister of Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar, David, King David, Israel's greatest king, Elijah, Enoch, Esther, Ezekiel, Ezra, Gideon, Hannah, godly woman, Hosea, the man called to marry a harlot by the name of Gomer, Isaiah, the great prophet, Job, Jonah, Joseph, Josiah, and Jeremiah, Moses, Israel's deliverer, you had Nehemiah, Noah, Rachel, Rahab, Ruth, Samson, Samuel, Solomon. These were all our brothers and sisters in the Lord who ran the race a long time ago. They're, they're, they're just not, well, some guy or some gal in my Old Testament. We're gonna see all those folks. Those were all people who heard those two words, follow me. Oh, they heard them in a different way. Don't misunderstand. How about those in the New Testament? Ananias and Andrew, Apollos, Barnabas, the, the godly teacher and encourager, Cornelius, a, a God-seeking military commander, Elizabeth, James, John the Apostle, John the Baptist, Joseph, Lazarus, Luke, and Lydia, Matthew, Mark, Martha, Mary, the sister of Martha, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Nathaniel, Nicodemus, 
Peter, Paul, Philemon, Philip the Apostle, Philip the Evangelist, Priscilla, Silas, Stephen, Thomas, Timothy, Titus, Zacharias. Those were all our brothers and sisters in the Lord. They're just not characters that you find in the New Testament. They're real people. They were on the same journey we were on right now. Thought about all those non-biblical or modern day people that are no longer with us, guys like Charles Spurgeon, Martin Luther, John Calvin, J. Vernon McGee, uh, D.L. Moody. Friday we celebrated a, a, one of our own that we know, that we all knew basically, and that was Mr. Dressler. Hebrews chapter 12 says this about all these people I just mentioned. Really interesting, really, really interesting. In Hebrews chapter 12 or, or 11, he talks about all these saints, and I, I rattle off some of them, and then he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off all that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, the sin that goofs us up, messes us up, the sin that causes us to stumble and bumble through life. Get rid of it all. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And the idea here, the imagery, and I shared this at Jim's funeral, is that imagine a football stadium and you have all the great Old Testament saints in the stadium and all the New, New Testament saints and Jim is now there and the, the, the stands are filled with this great cloud of witnesses and we're the ones on the field and they're up there going, come on, keep going, woo, yeah, go, go, go. Ah, don't get involved in that, stay on track. They're the ones, this witness cloud of witnesses that are there to bring encouragement. They're there praying for us, if you will. I don't know, I think about that and I go, wow, that's pretty cool. The writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us something here, Christian. That yes, we have the Holy Spirit and yes, we have his word. But if there's a whole bunch of people in glory rooting us on, and I can't see them, and I don't know them, how much more important is it down here on planet Earth to have people, woo! And that's where the church comes in. Being a Christian doesn't mean you simply believe certain things. It also means you belong to a family. Yes, it, there are certain things we believe. There's no doubt about it. But the journey of faith isn't just I believe certain things, it's I belong to a church family. I belong to God's family. I'm one of his children. I have brothers and sisters in the Lord. Some of them are alive in this room. Some of you may not be alive this next week and you'll be a part of that great cloud of witnesses. We had a whole bunch of people in the Old Testament aren't with us. People in the New Testament aren't with us. But we got a whole lot that are right here, over there in the venue. Church is an important part of all of our lives. Now let me say this. I know that many of you have been hurt and hurt deeply by someone in your spiritual family. 
but it's really important that you somehow forgive the person or persons that brought the pain into your life and reconnect with your church family. I get it. You had somebody in church, maybe it was this one, maybe it was another one, and you're here, and you know, man, I was hurt by a brother or sister in the Lord, or a pastor hurt me, or whatever it is, and I'm not, I'm not discounting the pain, but get over it! Are you kidding me? I meet with people who all the time, oh, you know, back in 62, Someone did something mean to me in church and I'll never be a part of another church again. Back in 62, and you know what they've been doing primarily? Is bumbling and stumbling through their life because they never got involved in a church again because somebody hurt them. I couldn't count how many times I've been hurt. I couldn't count how many times I've hurt people. I'm human. And I understand you are too. And this great cloud of witnesses is going, that was in 62. Give it up. Offer forgiveness and move on with the plan that I have for your life. Come on. And I'm not trying to discount the pain. I'm sure it was real in 62 or 72 or 82 or 92 or 202 or, I get it, it was, I'm sure it was real and I'm not trying to discount it. All I'm trying to say is, is that the church is such an important thing. There are, I, got a, I got a biological sister and sometimes, wow, we go at it. What do you think the chances are with 4,000 spiritual brothers and sisters that at times I'm gonna go at it? At times I don't even get along with my own biological sister. Ah, we work it out, we love each other. There's gonna be times when we don't get along, I get it. But that great cloud of witnesses, I think is saying, come on, move on. There's way too much at stake for you to sit on the sidelines and not engage and belong to a church. Some of you have been away from church way too long and today's the day you need to come back. Today's the day. Today's the day you need to reconnect with a spiritual family. And I'm not talking about just coming here for a weekend you know, service. There's a huge difference between attending a church and belonging to a church. A huge difference. I talked with a family last night Great family. And they had been hurt at another church. And I don't want to hear the story. Okay, you were hurt, uh, you know. But you're here now. And they've been here about a year. And they come, and basically, to use their words, we sneak in and we have our Bibles. And when the little thing goes by, we'll throw some money in the thing. And they were very clear tonight, we heard from the Lord. We, we need to take that next step from just attending to belonging, and there's a difference. Now, attending is way better than not attending. But it ain't the best. And don't let the enemy deceive you into thinking, I'm golden, I attend. 
That may be good, but it's not the very best. And the enemy may not be able to stop you from attending, but if he can keep you from the very best, it's a win. It's a win. God doesn't want church to be something you go to. He wants church to be a family that you're a part of. God doesn't want you to walk the journey of faith alone. It's, it's one of the things he, he left you that you might live an epic life for him in 2017. Now, now the question I, I want to answer just quickly, I'm going to run through these, these really quickly, uh, is how will joining the family here at Big Valley Grace make a difference in your life? In other words, what will happen to you if you become a part of the family here at Big Valley Grace? Let me, give you, let me just give you five things really quickly. Number one, at Big Valley Grace, you'll be encouraged to express your worship to God. Jesus said that the greatest commandment was that you would love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. It's the greatest thing you could do, if you looked at the great 10 commandments, the first four basically all have to do with your relationship to God. The first one being, don't have any other gods before me. Number two, hey, don't, don't, don't make for yourself an idol and worship that. Number three, hey, don't, mis, don't misuse the name of the Lord. It's, it's, it's holy. It's, a different, it's different. And number four, set aside a time that's sacred and holy where you can rest and worship the Lord. Now why? Why is this the greatest command? Why does God want you to love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, there's lots of reasons, but let me give you a big one. He wants you to love him. Buckle your seatbelts. Because he loves you. He loves you deeply. He demonstrated how much he loves you when he hung on a cross for you. He loves you more than I could ever explain. And when you freely love God back, when you focus all your attention on him, when, when you worship him, it brings him pleasure. It makes him happy. Psalms 147 says, the Lord delights in those who fear him. And that would be an Old Testament word for, for worshiping him, basically who put their hope in his unfailing love. Think about it. You have the ability to bring delight to the heart of God. Is that crazy? It's so easy to wake up each morning and go to work and stay busy all day and come home and, you know, and plop down on the couch and zone out and never even give God a thought, isn't it? Probably happens more often than you realize. It's easy to wake up each morning and feed the kids and get them ready for school and do the shopping and clean the house, you know, and, and try to get it all done and get dinner ready, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And just never had a moment when you had a chance to just worship God, tell him how much you love him. It's easy to wake up each morning and go to school and come home and do homework and do all your chores and talk to your friends and totally forget that God's been with you all day long through the Holy Spirit in your life. Here's the deal, because you're human, because you're stuck with your flesh, it's easy to forget that God wants you to express your love to him. It's easy to forget that God's presence is within you all the time. 
It's easy to forget that, that this is what we, the inner man needs to live an epic life for him. It's easy to forget to spend time, you know, in the scriptures. And one of the great things about being a part of a church family is that it's a place that encourages you to focus or refocus your love on God, that you might bring him delight. One of the things I do with my Facebook page, and Christian, you ought to think about this. I understand that I got thousands of people that are watching it, looking at it. And I would say about 95% of the time, I use it to just get someone to think about some biblical concept, encourage them to come to church or whatever it might be. Yeah, there are times I'll put something in there about my family, something fun I'm doing or whatever. But I primarily see it as a tool that when people see it, that they read a verse or they read a, a thought from a great Christian person, that it would be an encouraging tool. That as people see it, they'd go, oh yeah. They might be at work, and I hear this all the time. I was at work, I was going through my stuff. I had a, my lunch hour and I went on there I saw, and I saw a post from yours and it just reminded me, I need to get in the word today or I need to pray today. And imagine if, you know, the thousands of people that consider this their home church, whatever your sphere of influence is, maybe one person, maybe 10, I don't know, maybe 100, I don't know what it is, it doesn't matter what it is, but if all of a sudden you, as a follower of Christ, as, as a member of this church family, you were using your influence that way, not that you can't post something fun about your friends or whatever, there's nothing wrong with that, but that you would see that great tool as something that I could encourage others to, to you know, think about worshiping the Lord. Plus, here's the deal. You know, something happens when you get here on the weekends. And you'd all agree with this. You know, we get here and, you know, people are fellowshipping and we're talking and we're having a great time. We're out in the hallway there. We're doing stuff. We come in here and da, 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 da. And, whew, and then all of a sudden, you know, we pray. And then the, the music starts and it fills the room. And all of a sudden, it, it doesn't matter what, what last week's been like. All of a sudden, here are these lyrics, and, and we're all singing these songs, and something happens. Some, something happens when, when people are being baptized. You just, you're here, and whoa, or we're having communion, and you're holding the bread and the cups. Something happens. Something happens when, when the preaching starts. Something happens, you know, when there's a testimony. There's something that goes on. You know, we have our prime time, and in a little bit you're going to leave it, and you're going to go in there, and there's going to be fellowship, and you're going to be around tables, and you're going to sing in there. And here's, something happens at church. Something unbelievable happens. Our eyes are down here, and whoa, they're taken up into the heavenlies. And for an hour and a half or so, wow. Just something amazing happens in our lives. It's why, like, at, when kids go away to camp and they're gone for like a week, and basically they're in this kind of an environment for a week, they come back and you think an alien, you know, overtook your son's life, you know? They're like Billy Graham. What happened to my kid? <laughs> Crazy. Well, what happened to your kid was for, you know, 24 hours a day, basically, for seven days in the week, they were immersed in this. And they come back, 
Eh, it takes about a week, and they go back to being the alien that they, <laughs> they were before they left. But wow, was there something amazing that happened? And isn't there something amazing that takes place when the church family gathers together like this? And together we worship, together we pray, together we give, together we hear the word of God preached. It's amazing. Psalms 34 says, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now I know some of you are thinking, you're thinking, well, can I worship God by myself all alone, maybe in my home? And the answer is yes, of course you can, and you should. We all should do that. You can express your love and adoration to God anytime, not just here at Big Valley Grace on the weekend, but you need a church family because we're all gonna get off track at times, aren't we? All of us, we're just going to. And we need each other. Number two, at Big Valley Grace, you'll be encouraged to connect with the people of God. Did you know that there are over 31 another commands in the New Testament? Let me give you a little taste of the heart of God. Be devoted and give preference to one another. Accept one another. Care for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage and build up one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Peter says, serve one another. John says, love one another. Hard to miss the heart of God here, right? These one another principles aren't just good ideas or suggestions, but they're biblical mandates that God expects his people to live out. Now let me ask you a question. Can you live out all of those one another's when you're sitting in here in a row looking at the back of someone's neck for an hour and a half? Oh, maybe some. When you read about all these one another's, you get the sense that church is more than just sitting in a row for an hour and a half on a Sunday. That there's this idea that I'm gonna connect with others, I'm gonna do life with others, that I might be you know, fulfilling these biblical truths that God wants for my life. It's one of the reasons why you, know, you come to our men's ministry, it's all around tables. We're gonna get into the word of God, but it's all around tables. You come to our women's ministries, it's around tables. You come to our CR, you're gonna get in smaller groups. You go into uh, the primetime class, you're gonna sit around tables. Everything we do here is about let's get people out of rows and let's get them around circles. Because church is more than just sitting in a row. It's about all these one another's. It's not about me doing all these one another's for you. It's about you doing these one another's with everybody else. Bible says that the Christian life is not a solo act. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. And when you join this family, we're gonna do all that we can to encourage you to connect with others. Number three, at Big Valley Grace, you'll be encouraged to grow in your knowledge of God. Colossians chapter two says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue, 
Continue to live in him, rooted up and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving, thankfulness. The key word to me is continue. In fact, if it's in your notes, you ought to circle that word, continue. The Christian life isn't just a one-time thing, is it? But I think a lot of Christians, you know, well, I went to a Billy Graham crusade, you know, I walked forward and I got, you know, I got Christ, I'm done. <laughs> you're not done? What do you mean you're not, you're done? Hey, I came to the Christmas musical, you know, I've marked a box on my car, I'm done. No, no, you're not done. That's why here, whenever we have these moments where we invite people to receive Christ, there, there's always the back end. That drives some of you crazy. You've walked with God a long time. Oh, he's talking about the follow class again. Yeah, it's important. Because someone gives their life to Christ, it ain't over. We're a church that understands that that's just the beginning. That we're supposed to continue in it. God wants you to continue to grow in your relationship with him. He wants you to continue to learn more about him. He wants you to continue to walk in the light. He wants you to continue to walk in obedience. He wants you to continue to walk in wisdom. He wants you to continue to walk as Jesus walked. There's a big difference between being a Christian and being a growing Christian. Big difference. And when you join the family here at Big Valley Grace, we're gonna encourage you to grow in your knowledge of God that you may be more and more transformed in his image. Now here's the deal. <laughs> There's that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't stick his snout in the water and make him drink. You're adults. I can encourage you to become a part of this family. I can encourage you to worship the Lord. I, I, I can encourage you to connect with those. I can encourage your spiritual growth, but the reality is I can't make anybody do anything. But we'll stand up here and talk about men's ministries and women's ministries and, and prime time and celebrate recovery and, and children and youth ministries. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about all those things. We're, we're, we're going to give you all kinds of opportunities where you can grow in your relationship with the Lord. But the reality is you've you got to put your snout into the water and drink. But the church, this church, will encourage you in that area. And number four, at Big Valley Grace, you'll be encouraged to reach those loved by God. In Matthew chapter four, we see another great moment where Jesus calls some people to follow him. It says, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I am going to change you. I'm going to give you a new job description. I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. Wow. Listen to what Jesus said about himself in John 19. He said, for the Son of Man came, and came to seek and to save what is lost. That might be the best sentence that describes you know, the purpose of Jesus coming. That's just, that was kind of like his job description. Oh, he did a lot more than that, I understand. But that kind of capsulates his job description here. It shows us the heart of God. God so loved people that he sent his only son to seek and to save the lost. And in John chapter 17, Jesus commissions you to follow him. 
in this search and rescue process. Listen to what Jesus said in a prayer to his father. He said, as you sent me into the world, I'm now sending them into the world. You sent me in to seek and to save the lost, and now, you know, my gig's up. I'm gonna go be with the Father. I'm gonna send them the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna give them the word that they would be equipped. I'm gonna make sure that there's a church that will encourage them to do the same thing. That they would be a group of people who would care deeply about the lost. And every time I walk up here and I look out in, in this audience, let me tell you what I see. I see a whole bunch of people sitting out here and in my brain I go, you know what, that's discipleship. We're called to make disciples. And every time I see empty seats, I go, that's outreach. We got people to reach, man. Got some space here. And every time you walk into this building, look around and go, man, these are all people who, who ought to be in, in the discipleship process. And when you see an empty seat next to you, you gotta go, Lord, who is it that I'm gonna reach? We got room in this building to reach more souls. We got room over in the venue to reach more souls. This is a, a, a vivid illustration to me of what we're about. We're about discipleship. Jesus said, go and make disciples. But you can't make a disciple unless you reach them. And I want everybody here to have a heart for the lost. I want to encourage you to have a heart for the lost. You come here, we're gonna, we're gonna do all that we can that you would leave here and think about your lost friends. We'll even put on a few events here where all you gotta do is bring them here. here here's the deal. Why does God leave you here on earth after we, we, you become a Christian? I mean, we, we can pray in heaven, we can sing in heaven, we can worship in heaven, we can have fun in heaven, we can eat in heaven, we can relax in heaven. There are basically only two things you're not gonna be able to do in heaven. Number one, you're not gonna be able to sin. Can't sin in heaven. And number two, you can't tell others about Jesus in heaven. Why? Because everybody knows Jesus. Now here's my question. Which of these two do you think God leaves you here to do? Sin or tell others about his son? They're the only two things you can't do when you get to heaven. You're not gonna sin, you're not gonna tell others about Christ. God says that we're ambassadors for him. And last but not least, and I'm not gonna talk about this because next week the whole message, Lord willing, is gonna be on this. And that is that Big Valley Grace will be encouraged to serve the family of God. Ephesians chapter two says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people, those that are still here who aren't a part of the cloud of witnesses yet, for works of service. So Big Valley Grace, the church, it's a place where you're gonna be encouraged to express your worship to God. It's a place you're gonna be encouraged to connect with the people of God. It's a place where you're gonna be encouraged to grow in your knowledge of God. And it's a place where you're, you'll be encouraged to reach those loved by God. And as I said, next week we're gonna talk more about it's a place where you're encouraged to serve the family of God. Now, if you don't become a part of Big Valley Grace, where else are you gonna get these benefits? Who else is gonna encourage you in these areas? The PTA? How about your bowling team? They gonna encourage you in these five areas? How about the Rotary Club? When you go there, they are gonna encourage you in these five areas? How about the health club you go to? Nothing wrong with any of those things. 
And we as believers ought to be involved in all those things. Look, Big Valley Grace offers you something you can't get anywhere else in the world. And I know there are some of you sitting in this room and some of you sitting over in the venue. And you know what? You're not a member of this church. You attend it, but you're not a member of it. And I want to challenge you right now. And you can even do this in your seats right now. You can pull out your smartphones and click onto our app or you can go to our webpage and this is what you're going to see. We actually changed our webpage this week. You're going to go there, you're going to see an app and there's a little place right there that says, I want to belong. In other words, I don't want to just attend anymore. I want to belong. And all you got to do is click on that button. And once you click on that button, you're going to see three things. And the first one is, I want to become a member of this church. And you just click on that thing right there. And right there, literally right now, you could do it before you hit your car. You can say, I'm going to sign up for the membership class, which is the first Saturday in February. I'm signing up for it. That's the first step. Pastor, elders, I, I am going to put my life under the spiritual authority of the leaders of this church. You count me in. No longer am I just going to come and throw something in a bucket and leave. I am going to start the process of belonging. That's what I'm going to do. And we'll get you signed up right now. Some of you are going, you know what? I, I do belong. I'm already a member. But you know what? You don't have a place where you serve. You could click on that second button that's up there and say, okay, I'm already a member. I've already been through the membership class, but I really haven't taken any steps beyond that. You just click on serve. It'll, it'll tell you everything you need to do. We made this super simple. Some of you, you're going, oh man, I'm not that tech savvy. Right outside in the welcome center, we got our, our a whole crew out there where if you want to sign up for the membership class, you can go right outside those doors. And we had some that did it last night and just say, sign me up. Just do it. Just do it. Get signed up for the membership class. Or find a place to serve. And I'm going to talk more about that next week. I'll get more into detail on that next week. Because let me tell you, <laughs> You become a member of this place, you find a place where you're serving and you're in a small community group, pretty much you belong. You belong. You're here, you're connected in so many different ways. But the first step is becoming a member. Everybody over in the venue stand up, everybody in here stand up. Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And God, this is a great church for lots of reasons. Obviously, number one, you. But you have made sure that this church has had some great, great men and women who were members. We've had great teenagers that were members of this church. People who loved you deeply. They were part of this fellowship and their love for you poured out for love for their church. Thankful for all the members we have now. But here we are, the first Second weekend of January, and I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move in the hearts of those that are members here, and that today would be the day they go from attending to belonging. They take that first step. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness to us. Give us a, 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 a great afternoon, and I pray this in your name and all that God's people said. Amen. Amen. Hey, Lord bless you, okay? Live for Christ.